Good evening, I'm Derek Fildebrandt, publisher of The Western Standard, and you're watching The Pipeline. Today is May 10th, 2023, and uh, we've got another uh, special edition of The Pipeline focusing on the Alberta election campaign underway right now. I'm joined, as usual, by The Western Standard's opinion editor, Nigel Hannaford. How are you? Pretty good. Good afternoon. Thank you. And The Western Standard's uh, senior Alberta columnist, Corey Morgan. Thrilled to be here as always. You got almost crazy scientists there today, eh? <laughs> uh, I'm due for a cut. Calling me on it. Uh, we're also going to be joined by uh, the Western, Stan uh, Western Standard reporter in Edmonton, Arthur Green, and uh, Western Standard reporters in Calgary, uh, both Jonathan Bradley and Sean Polzer. Uh, we're going to be dealing with, uh, there's, there's actually quite a bit. We weren't sure what we were going to talk about this morning, but boy, the, the day filled up for what we're talking about today. Uh, NDP candidate uh, in Edmonton, uh, Rod Loyola, uh, been known for dabbling uh, with communism in the past. Uh, photos have emerged exclusively to the Western standard of Rod Loyola marching in a communist party parade in Edmonton. Um, yeah, uh, okay for communism. Uh, so not a good look for the NDP campaign today. Uh, but the NDP is also, uh, they've promised uh, tax credits if your kids do stuff, if they go to, you know, they play sports or uh, go and dance or something like that, 500 bucks. Um, the uh, UCP is alleging, uh, sorry, not, not uh, uh, yeah, the UCP is alleging um, a uh, conflict of interest and uh, breaking of elections Alberta finance rules between the Alberta NDP and uh, several of the big unions, the Alberta Federation of Labor and the Alberta Teachers Association, claiming that there is potentially illegal campaign finance taking place and funding some of their ads. Uh, breaking story, uh, <laughs> uh, the, uh, from our own Arthur Green at the Alberta legislature, an alleged gunman arrested at the legislature. Uh, details are still a bit murky there, but we're going to talk to Arthur Green about that. And uh, the Alberta NDP are claiming, uh, pointing to an old video from Smith, uh, saying that Smith plans to sell off Alberta's hospitals. Okay, well, before we get into that, just uh, want to thank my favorite sponsor, the Canadian Shooting Sports Association. You know, I've been a member of the CSSA for more than a decade because I trust them as Canada's leading firearms group to uh, protect my rights as a gun owner in Canada. If you're not yet a member of the CSSA and you're a firearms owner, uh, you need to go to cssa-cila.org or just Google them. Uh, CSSA or Canadian Shooting Sports Association and click on membership and join them. It's worth every penny uh, for gun owners standing together to defend your rights uh, to legally buy, own, and use guns safely in Canada. Okay, so we're going to jump into it. Uh, we're going to begin uh, bringing in the Western, uh, one of the Western Standards Calgary reporters, Jonathan Bradley. Uh, Jonathan, uh, exclusive story from you this morning. Uh, NDP candidate uh, and a sitting MLA from Edmonton, Rod Loyola. Uh, you've obtained uh, exclusive photographs of him marching in a Communist Party parade. Tell, uh, yes. tell us about this, comrade. So, <laughs> so I obtained from a source a photo of Rod Loyola marching in a Communist Party of Canada delegation. It was part of their Edmonton club. There's no set uh, specific date or time when this happened. Uh, in the photo, Loyola is in the front of the delegation. He's wearing a black hat, black jacket, and black track pants. And he's facing forward. And there's about a few other people behind him looking to the side. There's one lady strumming ukulele. 
And it, you can clearly see the banner showing that it is a Communist Party delegation. Uh, are we confirmed this is Rod Loyola? Yes, it is. According to my source, uh, they obtained it through uh, research. And Loyola himself, even though I did contact him, he didn't get back to us. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, so this is not uh, Mr. Loyola's first dabbling uh, with the Reds. He, um, uh, it came out either right before or right after the 2015 election. Uh, a video of him, uh, it was taken just after Hugo Chavez died, the uh, communist uh, dictator of Venezuela, uh, where he was holding a strange kind of pseudo-religious ceremony for him, almost offering a prayers of a weird secular Marxist kind, um, praying for Hugo Chavez and the great things he's done for the workers' revolution and uh, things like that. Um, but, uh, now just outright, uh, I, I suppose some lefties say, well, he's not a, really a communist. Uh, well, he was, a, he was a communist, but, uh, I mean, I suppose I could try and dismiss it, but, uh, he, here he is with a communist party of Canada, uh, banner, uh, mere feet away from him. He appears to be leading at least the delegation part of that parade. Um, it's not a good look, Nigel, but, uh, Let's. I just. Well, how, how much of a problem is this for the NDP to have one of their candidates, a two-term MLA, uh, caught no punted red-handed with the red banner? Red-handed, my word. Uh, you know, of course it's a problem. I mean, you don't want people uh, bringing up an unsavory past. And let's face it, communism is unsavory. It's killed. That's a controversial view. <laughs> Hundred. How many million people have died in the name of communism? So, I, you know, that's not a word that anybody who wants to get elected really wants associated with. You know, we all have the sort of the peccadillos of youth and do silly things and so forth and so on. But I haven't heard that he's recanted of this. And I find it somewhat alarming that when he decided to go into serious politics, the closest thing that he could find to a communist party was Rachel Notley's NDP. So not a good look for the NDP. Corey, uh the NDP ran a communist, an open communist in the last election, Anne McGrath. Uh, she was a senior NDP strategist for the NDP for some time, both federally and in Alberta. Um, and she ran as a communist party candidate herself, actually, but in the 80s. Uh, the NDP never really addressed it then, but just try to dismiss it. Eh, it was the 80s. Uh, you know, uh, Ronald Reagan and cocaine. It was a long time ago. Um, uh, but uh, th this is not a long time ago, and this is a sitting current MLA. Um, I, I've just got to wonder, I, I think it's pretty fair to make an equivalency between national socialism and international socialism, between communists and national socialists. Um, I, I've just got to wonder, like, what would be the equivalent reaction if there was a two-term UCP MLA running for re-election uh, and, a, and a photo emerged with them marching beside a swastika and a banner clearly associating with it saying uh, Nazi Party of Canada or National Socialist Party of Canada. It would be immediate cancellation, apologies, damage control done by the party. It, it would make national news and probably kill the election for the party that had that person walking with them. Unfortunately, for whatever reason, 
communism that uh, Nigel was looking for that number. I looked at the most recent, uh, one estimate as strong was 96 million people in the last century killed by that vile ideology. And it should be looked down upon just as harshly when somebody is openly flirting with that sick ideology as with, with Nazism. But they, they seem to get a pass with it. I don't think the NDP want this association. They're not thrilled to see that popping up there, but it won't devastate them nearly as much as, as it should. Uh, Jonathan, you, you reached out to Mr. Loyola for, for comment and the NDP, but uh, no response. Have they issued at least any, even if not to you, have, uh, as far as you've seen, have they issued any kind of public statement uh, apologizing for Mr. Loyola's uh, affiliations with the Communist Party and previous, I'm assuming they would say previous support for communism. Uh, I have not yet to date seen him repudiate communism uh, in any way, just not openly talk about communism. Uh, has there been any kind of statement whatsoever from the NDP disavowing uh, or distancing themselves from this uh, not very distant uh, picture of him supporting the Communist Party? Nothing. I mean, when I reached out to uh, Rod Loyola for comment, he didn't get back to me, like the majority of the NDP people who I've interacted with. Um, but I do find it kind of, well, I don't find it surprising because Mr. Loyola has a history of communism. You mentioned uh, the event that he held with Hugo, Hugo Chavez, but in 2007, he used to perform as a rapper where he sang songs, well, he rapped about uh, pro-communist, like communist leaders like Che Guevara and Fidel Castro and how much he admired them and how he wanted revolution. So to see this go along with it, isn't that surprising? Uh, um, it, it, it just blows my mind that this doesn't even ripple with the legacy media in Alberta as a scandal. Uh, now, I suppose the story is just broken. Let's maybe give him a little more time. Uh, like, I think it's going to be controversial, but I think you're right, Corey, that for some reason, uh, the left does not acknowledge communism as an at least equivalent evil as national socialism or fascism. Uh, I mean, the, the, as high as fascism and national socialism's death toll is, Communism's is significantly higher, albeit they had a longer time and uh, bigger populations with which to experiment their ideologies on than, uh, than fascism did. But uh, there's just a total lack of acknowledgement generally on the left of an equivalency and, and I think a failure by at least the majority of those, not all, but a majority in the legacy media to, uh, to see any kind of equivalency. N Nigel, do you think it's just that... Uh, you know, maybe a lot of people in the media and the chattering classes just see communism. They're like, oh, everyone was a communist in university. Uh, it's a passing phase and no one should really have to apologize for it. It's like, you know, uh, you know, if a picture came out of uh, Corey doing a keg stand in university, it's just an equivalent of that. We all go through the phase. Communism is just a phase we all go through. Well, I don't think we do all go through that phase. And I actually don't think that's what they think. I think they just plain don't treat communism seriously. It just... It, for some reason, they've been so busy focusing on the other side that uh, this just seems like kids having fun. And, uh, you know, that for, this, for the sake of the viewers, this is the equivalency between Nazism and communism and a number of other isms, too. They all want to make a perfect society, but before they do, they have to just get rid of everybody who isn't going to be on side. So the bourgeoisie or the Jews, you know, whatever it is, that's the equivalency. It is very much a secular religion of death, both of them. 
There's nothing funny. A, a secular it. religion of death. I think it's uh, particularly pertinent with Mr. Loyola, who was uttering uh, prayer-like uh, yep. words for Hugo Chavez after he died, calling blessings upon him and uh, things of that sort. Okay. Uh, well, I'd, I'd say a little. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna turn. We're gonna keep Jonathan here for a moment, but uh, a, a a little less heavy than an NDP candidate affiliating himself with an ideology that's killed roughly a hundred million people in, a, in the last century. Uh, the NDP uh, latest campaign promise is uh, if you've got a kid in Alberta, uh, five, you get a $500 tax credit for activities that can go towards, uh, you know, playing sports or dance or things like that. Uh, Jonathan, t uh, t uh, just flesh out a bit for more for us, the NDP's uh, children activity tax credit. So Rachel Notley announced on Tuesday she would be enacting a children's activity tax credit if she becomes premier. And the children's activities tax credit will provide each family with $500 per child to cover uh, extracurricular activities. So soccer, uh, soccer, hockey, uh, science camp, things like that. And parents don't need to do any extra work to obtain it. Uh, they'll just receive a money back when they file their taxes. They don't have to submit receipts that their kids actually did anything? Uh, Notley didn't say anything about that, but she did mention that this is to deal with the cost of living crisis because she said many families are making difficult choices right now about whether or not to put their kids, choosing between activities for their kids or maybe even not putting them in activities at all due to unaffordability. It's not, not as bad as just handing cash. I mean, tax credits are... I suppose less terrible than just direct subsidies, but it is still a form of subsidy. But uh, you know, you and I were chatting about uh, this morning. It sure sounds very Harper-esque. You know, we remember I, I was the Canadian Taxpayers Federation well, uh, during much most of Stephen Harper's time in government, and and I, I was so frustrated that he just wouldn't generally cut taxes on a broad basis. It was always these boutique tax cuts. So it was, that was a term that came into the Canadian Parliament mm -hmm. during Harper. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he had, a, I think, a children's activity or a sports tax credit. And, you know, we, we joke when I was at CTF that, uh, you know, Harper was going to bring in a tax credit for kids between ages uh, seven and eight who have green eyes and are left-handed, that it was these hyper-micro-targeted tax cuts. The only the point of which was not actually to improve anything, but to target specific demographics of voters. And this seems to be the same kind of voter that Rachel Notley's going after. Soccer moms, soccer dads, kids with young, uh, people with young kids, middle class. That makes up a huge proportion of Calgary. And that's uh, people who have generally leaned voting conservative in Calgary, but conceivably could vote NDP. Uh, smart politics or... Well, I think in the Harper days, that was very much the new fascination with uh, aggregating data. We'd never been able to do that before. So, so the people who knew how things were done said, you know, we can, we can tell you down to the street level exactly where our supporters are, and we can target them. And they could, to some degree. Um, and so the whole business, all of these little boutique tax credits came out in, in that spirit. I think a lot of us who were a bit more doctrinaire didn't like it, but Anyway, it was done, and I guess the proof of the pudding, if there is one, was in the 2011 election. So maybe, uh, maybe that worked for Harper. But I do think that when you are doing those kinds of of uh, programs, you have to be, you have to make sure that it is actually people who could vote for you might vote for you, 
who you're targeting. And I'm not sure that in, like in, in Ontario, there were a lot of people who were leaning conservative, and that was just one more reason to vote conservative. Here in Alberta, and especially here in Battleground Calgary, I'm not sure that that's actually what is going to tip the scales for the NDP at all. It it's, uh, well, seems, seems to me yeah. that that's still a kind of a conservative thing. Well, I, I'd, I'd argue that it's a conservative thing. It's targeting perhaps conservative voters, but it's yeah, certainly well, not yeah, a conservative policy. Yeah, no, it's not conservative. If Harper does it or Rachel Notley does no, it, no, 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 it's, no, no, no. That's yeah. not philosophical. Yeah, but it targets conservative, but conservative voters. voters who are more yeah. likely to respond to that. But, Corey, I, I'm not so sure. Um, it, it is targeting a key swing voter demographic. Uh, young families with kids, middle class. I, I certainly would agree with Nigel that very few people in Alberta are going to make their decision, going to the ballot box and saying, I want the children's activity tax credit. That's not going to be it. People make decisions on a whole aggregate of issues, but it is a shiny little one that it's pretty tangible. As far as NDP policies go, it's not half bad. You know, young families are having a hard time. We've come through COVID where kids have been locked in their houses and in the habit of playing video games. I mean, things to help induce and get them out doing some sports and dance mm -hmm. aren't necessarily that bad. And, and to be honest, uh, I, I, it is still a subsidy, but if there's going to be one, I prefer to see tax credits over a blank check being handed out. I'm going to mm -hmm. presume being tax credits means they expect some receipts or, or something. I mean, there's always room for abuse with these programs, but it's kind of a relatively pragmatic sort of policy move by the NDP. And, and certainly, yeah, looking to get those traditional, maybe just to get another toehold in on, on that support. I think parents are just going to spend it on beer and popcorn. Well, yeah, I've yeah. heard that before. <laughs> uh, you know, we used to play street hockey and soccer uh, soccer on the grass. So I, I don't know. Giving people a tax credit to go out and... Well, when we were young, we weren't like, competing with phones that had yeah, a plethora of games or porn or God knows what else that keeps kids locked in their houses these days. So that's for sure. Yeah. Okay, uh, thank you for joining us, Jonathan. Uh, we're going to switch up to Arthur Green in Edmonton. Uh, Arthur, uh, you're one of the few lonely reporters still sitting around the legislature right now. Um, and uh, you had, well, quite, quite a morning, um, an arrest of an alleged gunman at the legislature. I know uh, details are fairly hazy, but uh, fill us in best you can about what's happened. Uh, details aren't hazy now, Derek, because I just got an email from EPS uh, that very second. So uh, I am told at approximately 11.40 a.m. today, uh, ESP or EPS downtown branch patrol members responded to a call for assistance from the Alberta sheriffs uh, for a weapon complaint, uh, a weapons complaint here at the Alberta legislature. Uh, it was reported to police that a male was uh, spray painting a message on one of the columns on the north side steps of the legislature when he was con uh, confronted by construction workers in the area. Um, the male is alleged to have picked up a firearm from the steps and uh, pointed it at the workers, uh, warning them to, uh, to leave him alone. Um, the workers quickly fled the area and Alberta sheriffs uh, were notified. Um, sheriffs uh, subsequently confronted the suspect on the front steps of the legislature uh, instructing him to lie down on the ground. Uh, the suspect then complied and was taken into custody uh, by the Alberta sheriffs. Uh, police then arrived on the scene and took custody of the male suspect. Uh, suspect. Uh, two, two firearms, one of which was loaded, uh, were found in his possession of the suspect, and the 59-year-old uh, the male is facing uh, various uh, firearm-related charges, and uh, it was quite scary 
uh, dirty. <laughs> but uh, you were there as he was being uh, hauled away, right? You got some video of it. Uh, that's correct. I had just exited the uh, the Corey Morgan show, and uh, I noticed police cars, and, and you know, an employee said, "There's a man in the uh, in the building with a gun." Uh, I quickly headed outside. Uh, when I went outside, uh, police were actually arresting the man and, and putting him into a cop car. Um, the man apparently had no shoes on, Derek, uh, which is uh, quite astounding. But, uh, I mean, it, the, the police presence was here for about a half hour after he was arrested, and uh, now it's all quiet on the Western Front here in, here in Edmonton. No shoes, no shooting, no service. Um, that's, that's quite something. Um, make sure, uh, when we're done here, make sure you go up to the legislature, see if you can figure out what he was trying to spray paint. Uh, I, I suppose we probably don't know anything about his motivations yet at this time, right? Um, no motivations. Uh, EPS didn't say any reason uh, why he was here now. I did contact the uh, the government of Alberta that they're upstairs for me. So uh, I, I, went, I sent a quick text uh, to the uh, to the press secretary and uh, uh, government of Alberta declined comment. So, yeah. Well, let's uh, do what we can, uh, at least with the police, to try and figure out what his motives were. We might get some hint of that from his spray painting. Uh, I, I mean, spray painting something onto the uh, the columns of the legislature and with a gun. I presume it's some kind Too of good. political motivation. I, I couldn't tell you what side he's on, if any, or 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 what he is. Uh, it, it sounds probably like a rather disturbed person, though. Um, uh, I guess I, I, I guess there's not much to go on yet. We, did, we don't know uh, Honestly, what side this guy thinks he was just on. Just be happy. I mean, that had potential to be really, really yeah. bad, though. I mean, if this guy had loaded firearms, that could have turned a, a hell of a lot uglier. Well, he had one did. loaded firearm. Right. The other well, one was unloaded. Okay. Certainly enough to, to really harm somebody. So or whatever it's worth, at least this is ended. I mean, if, if his, I don't know if his intention was to shoot anyone at the legislature. He certainly brought them to potentially shoot, but if his intention was to shoot at the legislature, this is the, the worst possible time to do so because every single politician at the legislature is out campaigning. In fact, they're not even technically MLAs during an election period. All their campaign, all the political staff, they're out campaigning. Uh, the legislature right now is like cleaning staff. Um, Pardon? And Arthur. <laughs> and Arthur and the sheriffs. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's 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 no one there. Uh, I don't know. Some people, you know, say they take uh, politics seriously, and some people, some people don't. This guy is obviously not even aware. I'm guessing is not even aware there's an election on. Uh, otherwise, why would you go to the ledge? Well, then he knows there. there's an election. He just ha thinks they're. That they would be there. I mean, and in most of the year, uh, there's a chance someone would be there. Okay. Uh, that's that's fascinating. Okay, Arthur, we're going to switch gears here. Um, today, uh, the uh, UCP released uh, a second letter to Elections Alberta alleging that uh, the NDP and certain union bosses are uh, potentially violating campaign finance law. Uh, uh, why don't you uh, f fill us in on what the allegations are, what this controversy is? So basically, uh, the UCP is calling for an investigation uh, into the NDP, Alberta NDP's uh, dealings with provincial union bosses. Um, so a letter was sent on Wednesday regarding possible violations of election finances and contributions disclosures act. 
the letter basically questions Rachel Notley and the uh, and the NDP relationship uh, with the union bosses and its ongoing uh, election activity. Now, the executive director of the UCP said the law is clear affiliated uh, with third parties are prohibited from undertaking advertising to benefit the NDP or any other party. Uh, but evidence actually shows this is happening right now here in Alberta. Okay, and I suppose some of this hinges on, uh, like, we know that these unions are advertising. We know they're very clearly pro-NDP. They, in fact, some of them, at least like the Alberta Federation of Labor, have automatic seats on the NDP's executive council across the province. But uh, some of this hinges on where the money comes from. Uh, if, if, correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, Arthur, that it's they're not allowed to use existing funds in the union, that it has to be... It can't be just the money that comes from the dues paid by union members and other revenues, but it has to be from donations from individuals to the union specifically for advertising during a campaign. And so uh, tell me, Arthur, is it, is it what the UCP is saying that they believe the NDP is not using just donations for advertising, but that they're, they're using so, uh, existing funds from union members' dues? Is that what they're alleging or just that they're worried it might be happening? Um, that's what I understand. That's what they're alleging. Uh, I mean, they said the election period has commenced and it's imperative that uh, Elections Alberta take immediate action to, to investigate this because, uh, again, those attack ads that are being ran against Smith by the, uh, by the unions, um, they're claiming are being paid by these funds. So, you know, in the letter, they... they Asked for some requested actions, uh, one being that, you know, they want Elections Alberta to confirm the advertising expenses incurred by these uh, NDP-affiliated organizations will count uh, towards the NDP's expense limit uh, for the election period. We know that there's a certain amount of money that you're allowed to spend during uh, an election period. And uh, apparently the UCP says that uh, with these provincial unions and the cost of these ads, that that is violating those expenses. Uh, Corey, uh, I mean, it... It is no secret of any kind that the NDP is directly plugged in with the union bosses in Alberta. Uh, you know, AFL has seats directly on NDP's executive, and there are certain connections within the NDP's constitution that gives some of these unions special privileges within the NDP. Uh, that's holdover from the 1930s and the Canadian Commonwealth Federation and uh, these, these kinds of things. Uh, the current boss of the Alberta Federation of Labor, Gil McGowan, uh, an open Marxist, um, he, is, he has made no secret of his support for Rachel Notley in the NDP. He even ran for the federal NDP once uh, unsuccessfully. Um, but it's not a crime for them to be supportive of the NDP. Um, actually, I suppose none of this is technically criminal, but it's provincial statute. So it's not against the law to be for them. Um, but what, what is the risk for the NDP here? Because uh, these kinds of investigations move very, very slowly. I highly doubt that Elections Alberta is going to come out and spank them in the middle of a campaign. No, they're not going to sanction them at this point. And as I kind of said before the show, I, I lodged a similar complaint four years ago over uh, the similar problem. 
and Elections Alberta looked into it and they got back to me, I believe, two or three months after the election to tell me that they hadn't found any problems with it. Uh, so I, I think uh, the UCP knows that as well. I mean, it does stink and it's just kind of reminding Albertans how closely tied these groups are together. But I don't think they realistically expect anything to actually happen in the next 10, 12 days. I don't know why you would have filed a complaint. You were seeking an NDP nomination four years ago. And I was still annoyed. They declined me. We're going to bring in uh, Western, another one of our uh, Calgary reporters, uh, Sean Polzer now. Uh, Sean, you, uh, the NDP held a press conference today where they did the big unveil of the latest Danielle Smith controversy video. Uh, I think in short, the NDP are taking from this video that Danielle Smith says she is going to sell Alberta's hospitals. Uh, tell us about it. Well, it was another one of those WTF moments when they actually spun the video because uh, that's not exactly what she said. Uh, she was talking on a speech and uh, from 2021, and it was basically a proposal um, to uh, give Alberta Health Insurance Corporation, it's a government funded, publicly funded body that oversees uh, the Alberta Health Plan, basically, uh, a mandate to uh, manage the hospitals. And when, so, so what she was proposing was uh, Alberta Health uh, Care Quality Council be set up as kind of an auditor, uh, to uh, see if these hospitals and the ones that were mentioned were uh, Calgary Lougheed, Calgary Foothills, uh, were being managed properly. And if they weren't, um, to give uh, Alberta Health Insurance uh, the right to issue requests for proposals to interested parties that would be interested in running them, uh, which she noted is perfectly uh, within the bounds of the Canada Health Act, which, of course, the NDP disputed. So how did the NDP get from that that she plans to sell the hospitals? That's a really good question. <laughs> and that was kind of confusing because, in fact, there are privately run hospitals in Canada and not just in Alberta, but across Canada. There's probably about mm -hmm. 50 of them. And uh, one of them up in the Edmonton area is uh, Covenant Health, which runs uh, the Grey Nuns, uh, the Misericordia. Uh, they run the hospital in Vegreville. Uh, they actually run the hospital in Banff, and uh, they employ 18,000 people. Even though it was set up in 2008 under Ed Stalmack, uh, the roots actually go back to the St. Albert Mission and uh, smallpox outbreak in 1870, which is where the Grey Nuns Hospital actually originated. So th this is a group that's been part of Alberta's heritage for well over 100 years, way before the province was ever even formed. So you were at the, the press conference where the NDP did their big unveiling here on this. Um... Did the other media, uh, other reporters that were there, did any of them, uh, did they seem to be buying this? Uh, well, I was the only reporter that was in the room, but uh, the ones that were on the phone. <laughs> and, and of course, we weren't allowed to ask questions. Well, I did, well, I, you're I telling did me that I did the NDP a press conference, the only reporter that shows up is the Western Standard, <laughs> and, she, and the only reporter there is not allowed to ask a question. Are you telling me that's what actually happened? <laughs> Well, no, the, it was a question that was put uh, forth over the phone. I, I can't recall the publication, but uh, she was the one that brought up um, the Covenant Health Group. And they actually run a supplementary hospital near the University of Alberta, Faculty St. John. They, re they run the, um, the uh, old folks home in St. Albert, the Uville, which is another one that goes way back uh, with the history of uh, the St. Albert Mission. And uh, so I, when I got back to the office, I thought, well, you know, I'll do a little bit of digging. And that's what I found out, that there's uh, three classes of hospitals in Canada. One is a public, one is a public general, 
and then one is are these uh, privately run uh, facilities. Uh, they can be sports clinics, they can be the eye surgery things, which are technically considered hospitals, but most of them are actually run by religious groups. And the oldest one in Canada was founded in 1632, I believe, in Quebec City from the uh, Misericordia sisters, sisters of the Misericordia. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not uh, clear on the order, but it is still in operation today. It is the oldest, longest continuously operating okay. hospital in Canada. Oh, well, let's start with you, Corey. Um, I'm getting over the fact that Western Center is the only reporter to actually show up to an NDP press conference, so they take zero questions from the press. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know. Uh, I think the NDP, uh, you know, they, they got some mileage out of uh, the uh, Smith video released, I think, yesterday, uh, saying, uh, you know, where Smith was talking about uh, the How to Make a Dictator Netflix series, talking about people's compliance with dictators and obviously Hitler. And they, they managed to, I think it was an unfair contortion, but they had at least some threads to grasp onto trying to say that, well, Smith is saying that unvaccinated people are like followers of Hitler. I, I think that's an extreme stretch. It's not what she said, but I could at least see how they they could make the case for it. This one seems to be a bit it's in a stretch. tougher. This is outright BS. Uh, as soon as I saw it on, on social media, and of course I was like, oh, Daniel, what have you done this time? I thought I'm going to listen to it, and she'll have said some sort of you know blue skying and, and talking about we could sell it and buy something else. And I listened to it twice, and she never once uttered anything of the sort. It was a gross interpretation of talking about potentially bringing private management of a hospital in. No hospital sold anywhere. And as you said, there should be more press following them and calling them out on that because they're playing their games of gotcha. And Lord knows uh, Premier Smith likes to give them lots of ammunition to work with. But to have to go above and beyond and outright fabricate stuff that she said now, they should be harshly criticized for that. Yeah. Uh, well, Nigel, uh, now you've got a column uh, on what I was just talking about. The, the NDP kind of moved it together. Again, at least there were threads they could connect. I don't think it was a very fair connection, but I mean, all is fair in love, war, and politics. Um, but I, I think the error there was that Smith apologized for it. I think she just wanted to get it over with and move on. Yeah. But when you apologize for something, uh, yeah, you might make the story move on, but then you kind of make it an established fact that, yes, you did do that thing, even if she didn't do that thing. Do you think it was a smart move for Smith to apologize for it, just to get over with it and move on? Or do you think she should have fought that one, but risked obviously making it a larger, longer lasting story? Well, I think she, you know, I, I think the more people would have understood what she was, what that whole discussion was about, the more people would have said, well, that's obviously just uh, an NDP fabrication. It's a distortion. It's a distraction. She might have gone away with that. And, uh, and when I say get away with that, it sounds like there's something wrong. Well, actually, no, she was making a, a per in my view, a, a perfectly legitimate point about how if you have governments that like to control people, there's a way that they go about it. And uh, the, the idea of, uh, of frightening people and then making them turn to the government for everything is absolutely according to the way it's done. There's lots of studies on that. With this one here, I mean, all the, all the talk is, again, it's a distraction. All the talk is about who owns the buildings. No. The issue with healthcare in Alberta, in Canada, is not who owns the building. It's who pays the bills for what goes on in the building. And mm -hmm. so... Yeah, that's uh, it's it's sort of a 
the word smear gets overused, but it's just sort of throwing something against the wall and hoping something will stick. She has not said that she is going to allow private health care. I wish an Alberta government would do that, but I'm not running for office. She is, and she has not made that commitment, mm -hmm. and she is highly unlikely to do so, I would think. So this is really just another, what are we going to say nasty about Daniel story today? Okay. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us, Sean. Um, we'll switch it up a bit. Uh, obviously, wildfires are a big issue mm -hmm. right now. Um, I, you know, the press tend to like whoever is in office during disasters. Uh, Nenshi during the flood, everyone patting him on the back, Rachel Notley during the wildfires, Danielle Smith during the wildfires. The press seemed to like it. And I have a hard time buying it because the politicians, they're following a script. There are plans written decades before they come to office about what to do that are updated from time to time by emergency management bureaucrats mm -hmm. and consultants. The politicians aren't actually generally doing that much. They might be called upon to make a call on should we declare a state of emergency or not, but they're going to be generally acting on the advice anyway of uh, the senior bureaucrats around them managing an emergency. They'll always put on a windbreaker. They always put on a windbreaker and they show up and they tour and there's pictures and it's generally going to be the same. I mean, there's the odd exception, um, you know, during the Fort McMurray wildfires, Brian Jean, I remember we were in the legislature when this happened, Brian Jean just like ran off through the door and drove up. And that was particularly unique because that, that was his home, him and Tanny Yao, and they're up there camping out and helping on the ground. That was a bit different and, and not following a script. But politicians generally seem to look good during disasters. Smith is doing the same thing with Notley during this fire as Notley did with Brian Jean, keeping her in the loop. Um, so let's just talk about the, the politics of disasters in Alberta here. Um, my gut feeling is it's not really a net win. I, I mean, the, the, the only way to lose, I think, the politics of a disaster is to try and politicize it. You try to... Uh, Allison Redford with the floods in 2013 cut Danielle Smith out of the loop. Funny enough, I, you know, we're talking premiers and leaders of the opposition. High River, which Danielle Smith represented at that time, was being ravaged and just she was kept totally out of the loop. And the premier looked bad for that. I think really, uh, I want your, your, your feedback, Nigel. It's really the only way to win politically during a disaster to emphatically never politicize it. Oh, totally. Uh, totally. Um We've got a very interesting uh, point of view on this from one of our columnists, Lee Harding. I'm not saying I agree with him, but um, he is making the argument that this is actually a distraction from campaigning for Smith, which, of course, it is, obviously, because mm -hmm. she has to stop. And But there's no way that she could campaign during a disaster. No. But where he really, uh, I thought, well, wait a minute, this is interesting. As he said, it's easy to look good when you are the embattled leader standing in the middle of the rubble i'm thinking of 9 11. it's all done there's nothing there's nothing you there's no decisions that you have to make that can undo what has already been done you are now in charge of picking up the pieces not hard to look good in that situation yeah not hard to look bad i say yeah i beg your pardon yes yeah, of yeah. course okay not hard to, uh, at any rate you it's easy to look good in that mm -hmm. situation let's put it in the positive however you know you can be standing there in the middle of, uh, of what is apparently a 
an extinguished forest fire. And you, you think of this as a metaphor, all, all of a sudden a hotspot pops up behind you and oh, maybe it's not extinguished after all. It's a moving target. When do you know that you've actually done it? So that's, that's Lee Harding's uh, point of view. I would refer the listeners to that. Uh, interesting point of view. But no, I, there's, um, there's no way that uh, the, the premier, the mayor, the prime minister can actually lose in a disaster situation unless they politicize it and try and keep campaigning in the case of an election. Uh, Corey, both Smith and Notley have been very careful not to politicize this and be even have the faintest appearance of trying to score points. But there is a small exception to that, and that was the NDB candidate in Lethbridge East. He was retweeting someone, uh, said something along the lines of, uh, it's not a joke, it's all very serious, but uh, this is a metaphor for the UCP burning down Alberta over the last four years. Um, I mean, he's not laughing about people losing homes and forests and habitat and property being destroyed and people having their lives threatened, but definitely trying to make a political point on the back of this. Uh, But as far as I've seen, there has been no retraction, no apology whatsoever from the candidate or the NDP here. In fact, outside the Western Standard, I haven't at least seen a single news story about it. Well, the legacy won't touch it. So, I mean, this should burn them. Uh, I mean, not that I I would, I would, uh, oh God, I didn't mean that. He says, (laughs) and there's no room for jokes with something this serious, particularly while it's, uh, unfolding and and uh, she, he should have been quickly chastened or, or something or just a statement to say I, I, I just wasn't thinking whatever but again they're not being held to account like other politicians will but if he did apologize then the well, media would take notice and and so far inexplicably the media have paid no attention to this no. uh, I, I, I don't want to be too tinfoil hatty here but I gotta think if a UCP MLA made oh. a similar kind of comment about the He'd be camped outside of his house. Th- th- he would. He'd be tarred and feathered, drawn and cornered. Yeah, there's a double standard at play. But it, as you said, this seems to be the way it's going to have to go. So, uh, the, the NDP are allowed to make some mistakes during this disaster, but uh, Premier Smith has not got any room to. And she's doing. I mean, their their char- their path is charted pretty well in a disaster, anyways. Just communicate clearly, show leadership, show confidence, show empathy. Mm-hmm. And that's the main thing, communicate a lot. That, that's where Nahed Nenshi really established himself. I mean, he can't get out and fill sandbags or really be of any use on the ground. And he's not an emergency planner, mm-hmm. but constantly get out there and just help let everybody know what's happening, what's to be done and, and, and how to be safe. And, and, and Premier Smith's been doing that well so far. Okay. Well, I think we're, uh, we're going to wrap it up there. Uh, Corey, Nigel, thank you for joining today. Thank you. Thank all of you for joining today, uh, this edition of the Pipeline and Alberta Report. If you're not yet a member of the Western Standard, you absolutely need to be. Go to westernstandard.news, click on membership. It's only $10 a month or $100 a year to get unlimited access to all Western Standard content. Thank you very much for joining us, and make sure you tune in tomorrow for the Alberta Report, where uh, our daily campaign updates on what's happening in the Alberta election here. Thank you very much, and God bless. Well, there's some thunder clouds behind me that were pictured from yesterday, and thanks to Leighton Coke for that picture. And we got about three-tenths of an inch of rain in Lethbridge here, according to the rain gauge out front. Let me know what uh, what you guys got as well. Uh, hopefully these prices today are um, not following too much of this cloud cover that we have as well, and we can get a bit of a direction again. Markets 
uh, a little bit of a all over the place at the moment. Uh, we got cash barley down two dollars a ton to 407. Uh, feed wheat's holding steady at 406, and corn is unchanged at 395. Uh, in the milling wheat markets, we got July Minneapolis futures rising three and a half cents to 851 per bushel, with local hard red spring bid for May movement at 1040 per bushel delivered. Uh, taking a look at the oilseed markets, canola futures slipped $2.20 to $740.30 per ton with delivered values for May movement at $16.25 per bushel. In the pulse markets, red lentils are trading at $0.35 cents a pound and yellow peas are holding at $11.50 per bushel. Finishing up with the cattle markets, June live cattle slipped $0.22 cents to $163.70 per hundredweight. For more information on pricing or just to tell me how much the Leafs hopefully win tonight and don't get swept, give me a call at 403-394-1711. I'm Mike Van Dyke at Marketplace Commodities, accurate real-time marketing information and pricing options. Canadian Shooting Sports Association, without the CSSA, our gun rights would have been taken long, long ago. These guys are on the front lines helping to draft smart and intelligent firearms regulations and legislation in Canada and more importantly, educating the public about how we keep guns out of the hands of the wrong people. To become a member, it's absolutely worth every penny. You can become a Western Standard member for just $10 a month or $99 a year for unlimited access.